0: Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 109 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, I have a bit of an admission to make to you. And this is not a bit, this is not some kind of setup at all. Um, Do you remember earlier today when I told you I was going to the optometrist and you said, make sure you can see for our show tonight? Uh, they dilated my pupils. <laughs> I'm still pretty blind. So at least for the first half, you might have to guide me. <laughs> Um, my fiance laughed at me when I had mentioned the fact that they had to do some extra tests and things. So she's like, are you able to do this? And I said, I think so. So I guess we'll see how this works. I've had my eyes dilated once and it's uh, it's quite the experience. And I remember
1: that happening and then going home and playing Metal Gear Solid 3 uh, Snake Whoa. Eater. It was yes. a really weird experience. <laughs>
0: That's where I'm at right now. Like all of the cars coming at me when I was coming home just confused me, all the bright lights. Um, I can see forms and shapes, any kind of words though, that is another matter entirely. So uh, our show notes are kind of like burning a hole in your face. They're blocks right now. So
1: can you see me highlighting
0: everything like that? (laughs) Uh, yes, that I can see. there's a change in color. I can't read the words though. Great. So you're gonna have to leave things off and then hopefully by the paranormal section I'll have regained my natural composure and ability uh, to read like most people have and uh, be able to sort of um, push things along uh, like a normal episode.
1: This feels like you're testing me to become uh, to to do more with the hosting duties.
0: I wish that were the case. It's just a, a practicality. Yeah, you have the radio voice. I'm the color commentary. So, But this time around, you're going to be leading us off uh, into different topics. I can kind of see the words. Uh, I'm going to let you do the first one, and then I'll try and do the second one, if that works. Well, the first thing we wanted to talk about is uh, that
1: there is something up with ransomware and the companies that are supposed to protect you from them.
0: So I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but my old employer... uh, Pretty much right after I left, got held for ransom, um, and then they demanded to be paid in bitcoin um, and uh, Because of the shoddy infrastructure as a small company, there weren 't a lot of like uh, you know uh, top of mind security kind of thoughts going on there, so uh, it was very very easy to sort of uh, steal the entire contents of different servers and lock them away had you taken a USB key out of some sort of like fishbowl it legitimately would not surprise me if that happened just some random thing in a little shop well with the number of vendors and guests and things like that coming in and out of the office and uh you know giving us gifts and things like that it would not surprise me if one of them was carrying some kind of uh i'm gonna use an old school term here a trojan horse yeah well we all know that that's
1: like the worst thing you
0: could do is uh, always
1: avoid using free
0: usb sticks they're rarely free It's kind of analogous to me if, like, you know, don't stick random things you found on the street in your mouth, right? Yeah. The funniest thing would be a security company giving out uh, USB sticks (laughs) as, like, a test. Uh, But, yeah, getting back to the article at hand. So this is a ProPublica article that is very, very long, but very, very interesting about how a lot of these data recovery companies um, uh, proclaim themselves to be, you know, code breakers, and ability to sort of, like, uh, break the algorithms that originally locked up this data. But the dark, dirty secret is a lot of these firms just pay Uh, these hackers and then sort of like amp up the price. So let's say, you know, if these hackers are trying to charge you like $8,000, they'll say, we'll do it for 12 and then pocket the four. That's how you make money, Brian. That's how things work. It's pretty
1: amazing that they actually get away with this and companies still pay them. It's like, they're like a
0: weird sort of middleman. What I really enjoyed about the middle of the article is where one of the firms was explaining that they kind of got on friendlier terms with some of the hackers. So they were able to sort of like elongate the, um, uh, you know, the time in which the money was supposed to be paid or in some cases even reduced the price of some of these ransoms. At this point, they
1: basically go into business with each other. You know, it wouldn't shock me if it comes out that they're all working together at this point.
0: The way it was going, the inference was there, but there were no clear links. So I think we need to include the word allegedly there, firstly. And then, um, yeah, it's like they're the middlemen. And then some of these firms on their websites were, you know, proud to display the fact that they were able to do this. But really, they would just turn around, you know, 48 hours into any ordeal and sort of say, like, how much is your price and how do you want it? Well, I have a bit of an analogy here. Um, You know how, like, the overuse of antibiotics is making
1: bacteria stronger and rendering antibiotics, like, useless? Yes. Well, by these security firms just paying out, then won't the ransom just start going up
0: and up and up, and then you kind of can't do anything about it anymore? I kind of feel like this this weird space where like it almost it does become a monopoly right? It does become like an end to end kind of grift <laughs> just the next thing you find out is like security firm buys out Russian ransomware firm. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing, too, is that within the article, they were raising the question of, like, you know, government intervention. Is this really collusion? It kind of reads like it is at one point. Definitely. If, well, if they're charging a certain amount and then reducing
1: the fee that they have to pay the ransom and then not telling the company that they're charging this fee to, well, yeah. they're And they're basically not doing anything, right? They talk about having these algorithms and all this stuff. They just basically have one algorithm and it's like, press the pay button.
0: Yeah, and that's literally what it is a lot of the time. So I feel like they have uh, two things working for them. One, a very frustrated customer who's not necessarily tech-savvy, or in certain instances, um, security professionals who were scared that their own uh, infrastructures were compromised, right? Yeah, and
1: they don't know where to go with this other than, well, we might as well just pay and not do anything else. You don't want to rock the boat with ransomware people and then actually
0: make them target you as well that'd be funny yeah. if one of these companies gets held up for ransomware and that's the kind of the second point i'm going to make right so the first point is is scare customers but then also like inability to know where to buy bitcoin i i wouldn't know actually where to buy bitcoin do you know there's uh, there a bitcoin store i mean there's like digital traders and stuff in like marketplaces i guess i could google it but off the top of my head i don't know like i could google i get i go buy money at the bank yeah, you could. There's a, a lot of like a different kind of um, uh, websites that explain this. So there's like exchanges and stuff that you can buy on there, right? So what you do is you create a virtual wallet based on whatever your currency is, and then you buy based on that.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm very old fashioned, I guess. I just I just pay everything in cash. <laughs> yeah, all of your
0: ransom demands everything. and burlap I, sacks. I send I send bags of money to Amazon when I buy things. <laughs> I wish I wish there was like a carry pigeon with like a hundred dollar note in its like foot that it just you know. Yeah, or the pouch that has like the big dollar sign on it. I would love 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 to just look up in the sky and be like that that is Angelo's money bird right there. It's in the cloud. He got held a ransom. My money's in the cloud. Anyways, uh, something really interesting, too, is that um, one of the questions that does come up a lot of the time is, you know, especially with these hackers holding your data hostage is like, why don't they just, why wouldn't they just collect the money and delete it, right? But there's a lot of these places that actually uh, uh, rate hackers, right, and their experiences. (laughs) That's such a funny concept, but yeah,
1: they would kind of end up losing business, right? Because if, if. They find out that, you know, you pay your ransom and then you don't you just lose your data anyway. They're just never gonna get paid anyway because they know their data's gonna get lost.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like the internet is such a fascinating place because there's all these different layers, right? So there's the the grift of saying that we're gonna solve and crack these algorithms and then just turn around and pay the ransom. And then there's also like uh, a rate your hacker experience. It's funny that there's it's like honesty among thieves in this case.
1: Like you almost become like, well, it's sort of like there's like a Stockholm syndrome here, right? Where these companies that are supposed to be working to solve this problem are becoming friends with the problem. Yeah, it's,
0: it's kind of like strange bedfellows, right? At the end of the day. Uh, Is that the new Netflix series? Uh, I'm producing it right now. Uh, Once again, let's not talk about my uh, producer pastor, my TV pastor thinks. Hey, that's twice you bring that up, and uh, I'm intrigued when they were going to talk about it. Maybe in the paranormal. Oh No, this is twice you've brought it up, and then I've said nothing. I just bring it up as a joke, but it makes you make it sound like it's real. <laughs> uh, maybe we will talk about that day, but I mean that's kind of a, a secondary kind of thing we want to talk about. What we really are here to talk about is Twitter threads this week.
1: Okay, so the first one is some sort of hip hop thing. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> And uh, you, oh. you, I think you just put this in there to have fun with me because yeah, of course. you know I won't understand what's going on. Like I know, I know what, what Nintendo is and I know some of these uh, hip-hop artists' names, but
0: I just don't get it. So the podcast Nerds on Hip-Hop uh, on Twitter over at Nerds on Hip-Hop threw up a thread where they've compared Nintendo characters to rap figures. Um, due to my blindness, Angelo, I need you to read some of these descriptions because I can see the images, but I don't know what they mean. Great. I was not expecting this when we
1: uh, made the call for the podcast. I'm going to have to read this stuff. So, Mario equates to Jay Z. So, simultaneously, the most overrated and underappreciated in their respective fields. So, I don't know anything about Jay Z other than he's married to Beyonce, right? Correct. He okay, is, uh, he, he's Mr. Beyonce Knowles. Point for me. Uh, but Mario, I agree. He's always like the middle of the road guy. He's the character you pick when you're not sure what you want to do in all and in all like the extra Nintendo games or actually even his own games. Right. Like he's the one who sort of jumps high enough, but not really as high as his brother, but he controls well. And in Smash Brothers, he's very even. Same thing with uh, Mario Kart. Um,
0: Do you pick JC for Mario Kart? i wish i did i'm uh, sadly enough i'm usually a merry man my fiance is a a yoshi lady but usually i go with mario he has the most standard kind of feeling to him yeah he's i like that so uh, so is the comparison to jay-z apt i think so i think he's a mainstay right and i could kind of see mirror three and the word blueprint are juggling us do you know what the blueprint is angelo their plans to something oh yeah i'm assuming it's I, an album
1: i'm being silly but i'm assuming it is an it's an album, album i have never heard se- or heard of
0: per, perhaps his masterpiece put out in september of 2001 um on the second track uh so there's an intro of the rulers back and then on takeover he actually the whole entire song is a diss towards the next person in this thread nas and uh my favorite line uh from the entire record or favorite two lines is um a nas indirectly talking to uh sorry jay-z talking to nas saying so yeah i sampled your voice you was using it wrong. You made it a hot line. I made it a hot song. Double the second entry in here is uh, Link versus Nas. I'd agree with that. He hit an apex, uh, you know, with like Illmatic and to a certain degree stillmatic kind of up and down. Um, same thing with, with Zelda, right? Like before Breath of Fire, um, the last couple of games were good. Not great necessarily, right? I don't know what Breath of Fire is, but Breath of the Wild was an excellent game. Um, so the dilation not only affected my eyes, but also my brain. Clearly Breath of Fire is a Super Nintendo RPG that I've been meaning to play for a while. (laughs) Yeah. And I will assume those Nas
1: games, those Nas games, those, (laughs) I will assume those Nas albums that you mentioned,
0: uh, are something because I have no idea what they were. Illmatic, Stillmatic. Uh, we'll get into this later, probably. Thirdly, uh, Metroid and who I think is Cool G-Rap. Am I right? Cool G-Rap. Um, I don't know who that is at all cool g rap is kind of like the inventor of gangster rap and horrorcore, right so like um lyrics with like um uh, really uh, graphic imagery like him and esham i'd say were probably like the godfathers of the genre.
1: okay and um metroid's an interesting genre in its own because it's it was the first real big huge uh side-scrolling adventure game ever really like there's nothing like that that one uh, there was nothing like metroid when it came out in what 1987 86 yeah. in japan yeah uh, i remember seeing that for the first time and being both fascinated and like terrified to dig into it because you actually had to work on it you needed to bring out the graph paper and it's true, yeah. chart where you were because there was no
0: map which was rectified in super metroid the best game ever or one of the best games ever now because breath of the wild is kind of up there well breath of fire is up there too my friend breath of fire uh, yes the
1: super <laughs> nintendo game
0: <laughs> next up is kid icarus and uh, the masked mf doom Yeah, it looks like a Marvel character. So MF Doom is an interesting kind of guy. Uh, I kind of want to send you his Wikipedia article when we're done here. But basically, he um, uh, positioned himself as a a bad guy at one point, literally, where he had imposters showing up to concert dates, pretending to be him. That's weird. It's like a performance art at that point. Yeah, it was true villainy.
1: The description for this one is earliest appearances were great, but their later entries are so well regarded that it throws them into classic territories.
0: What? That makes no sense. I'd agree with that. Well, what they're saying is that like their early stuff was fine, but their later stuff is even better. Kid Icarus? I don't know about that. All right, let's move on here because we got a quick thread. So, Splatoon, Kendrick Lamar. I know, okay. I know Kendrick Lamar. Yay! Okay, he's like <laughs> the, he's like newer, right? Okay, what about what about Star Fox and
1: Snoop Dogg? That's kind of an interesting analogy. Is it is it because uh, a fox is sort of like a dog, or oh, uh, interesting? I but I know who Snoop Dogg is. See.
0: I know that. Okay. I okay. know that one. Um, what about Donkey Kong and Rakim? I don't know what Rakim is. Really? Children's Story? You don't know Lottie Dottie? No? Okay. No, not at all. All right. Uh, Fire Emblem and Kanye West. As that a Fire is, Emblem fan, I take offense to this because Kanye West... Uh, very interesting. Yeah. I actually kind of super agree with that one. Really? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Fire Emblem is a weird series, I guess, and Kanye West is a weird person. So maybe that works. Sure. Well, I think the point from what I remember is that they're saying that their fan base was kind of uh, 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 passionate would be a good word to use. Yeah.
1: Well, Kanye was mean to Taylor, so I'm not happy about that.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, so continue on. Kirby Will Smith. Yeah, I agree with. Uh, yeah. This
1: makes so much sense to me. Uh,
0: have you heard Will Smith's Aladdin song like the uh, the end credit song? No, I have not. With DJ Khaled. Okay. Um, this one is particularly uh, my favorite one. It's Yoshi and Drake. <laughs> Considered soft but has standing power. I agree with that. I mean he is uh Canada's best selling uh rap artist, right? Yeah, and Yoshi's know, Canada's uh dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> uh Pokemon and I do believe that's the Wu-Tang clan. It is, yeah. That's uh who would Pikachu be? Oh, Pikachu Riza Def- that's the only uh, one I know I th- actually. So the Rizza <laughs> or the Jizza. Um do you listen to the Wu-Tang clan? No, not at all. Okay, perfect. And then, <laughs> and then Pikmin, Chance the Rapper. So the those who know Chance the Rapper, this is very, very apt. They even kind of look alike. I guess. Olimar sort of looks like that. Yeah. Huh. Interesting.
1: This, are very, are this is ones? very, very strange. I, uh, Xenoblade, I don't know well at all. Uh, don't know who Rhapsody is either. Uh, Star Tropics. Wow, they're really digging the bottom of the barrel
0: in terms of Nintendo franchises that lasted, so, what, two games in this case? The funny thing is that this is very apt because Jay Electronica came out with Exhibit C years and years ago, and everyone was like, he's the best rapper of all time, this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then he fell in with Billionaires. Okay, and there you go. Look, it's like almost like neither ever existed, and that makes total sense. Yeah, so... Uh <laughs> Uh, I'm going to try and link you to J electronica's history. Cause it's hilarious. Uh, he like, people are still waiting for him to put an album out, uh, like seven years later, eight years later. And game and watch. I don't know who cool Herc is. Cool. Herc is kind of like a, like an early, uh, pioneer of the genre. So I agree with the game and watch comparison. Okay. Uh, rhythm heaven, Missy Elliott, yeah, I mean, uh, it's all about rhythm and energy and, uh, you know, having fun and uh, moving quickly. So I do agree with both of those. And I think the final, yeah, it is the final one. Earthbound and then, so Nest from Earthbound and then the Notorious B.I.G. So, uh, yeah, we'll never I, get another uh,
1: Notorious B.I.G. album and we won't get another Earthbound either.
0: There we go. Right. Except, except if like Mother, the Mother series ever comes to, to North America.
1: Okay, so that made a lot more sense to me than
0: I actually thought it would.
1: With you guiding me
0: through it, more so than when I initially looked at it. Thank you for your assistance. Thank you for listening, Angelo. This is very important. I feel like this is cultural learning for you. It is. Well, there's more cultural learning coming up. Yes. So the last topic we want to talk about, I do believe, uh, if my eyes uh, do not deceive me, is the culture of uh, tea channels, sipping the tea. Yeah. So I had
1: no idea what this was. I really thought this was going to be about... Um, people tasting tea. And then I saw what this was, and it made no sense to me because I've never heard of any of this. I didn't realize that there was this kind of action going on on YouTube. Although I guess, um, would you say like H3H3 H3 is like tea adjacent?
0: Yes, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Especially with the podcast stuff?
1: Yeah. So, So that sort of related to me, but also, I didn't realize that uh, makeup stuff was
0: this popular on YouTube. It's huge. I it's have my huge. own little channels that I go look at, and this blows them out of the water. Right. So just very quickly. So sipping tea is a term that is used um, mostly in the social media sphere, um, usually um, in urban settings in order to denote kind of the spilling of secrets. Right. So you're sipping tea. You're kind of discussing things. Um, you're kind of making some disclosures. Um, and so the idea behind that is that uh, a lot of these uh, recent developments on YouTube have uh, sort of uh, energized uh, tea channels. The drama among
1: YouTubers is pretty impressive in terms of some of the different areas of YouTube. For example, Legendary. The, yeah. Like the places I go on YouTube, this doesn't really happen. Like retro game stuff. Uh, That's music, not true at all, though. Well, okay. The retro game blogs I kind of look at. And, uh, well, well, so we're going to get into this super quick, but Pro Jared,
0: right? Oh yeah, okay, but I see he's not one I ever really followed. But he, okay, but you're saying the the domains in which I enter don't have this, but really they do. You're just not into that direct kind of stream right Whereas, I guess, unfortunately, okay. I was and am. So okay,
1: well, the music channels don't really seem to do this either. Like I, I don't see Adam Neely like calling anybody out. No, guys in their basements, absolutely not. No, and um, and my most recent love on YouTube has been the magic stuff, uh, which. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not far into it enough to, to notice, but all of them actually seem to be like really close friends.
0: They all seem to be, Angelo. The internet does um, kind of allow that kind of perception to occur, doesn't it? Are we going to start like drama amongst like, uh,
1: podcasters? We you know. Do you want to start? No, doing not that? at all.
0: I'm just saying like the idea, like once again, like we keep continue talking about perception being the whole identity on social media and on YouTube, right? So the idea that these people seem to be friendly is kind of interesting, right? Like for example, like I was majorly interested in the pro Jared stuff a couple of weeks ago because I had, I was, you know, one of his first 50 or 60,000 subscribers from, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, did he I send you impressed- any intimate pictures? No, but I never went looking for them. Unfortunately, opening up Twitter two weeks ago allowed me to see a lot more than I was hoping to see right off the bat. That's too bad. But yeah, so I mean, like uh, the idea of, of this secondary kind of like, this has replaced tabloids, like literal tabloids. Well, that's what people look at these days, right? The previous generation
1: looked at tabloids and watched TV, and now everything is just on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter.
0: It's the Legend of Zelda, and it's really rad. Those creatures from Ganon are pretty bad. Octrocks, Tech Tikes, Levers too. But with your help, our hero pulls
1: through. Yeah, go Link. Yeah, get Zelda. Awesome, intense. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Your parents help you hook it up.
0: Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So the first thing I want to talk about this week is something that angers you to no end and is something that brings me an infinite amount of joy. And that, my friend, is, of course, Noah's Ark. It's existence. And, you know, um, the CIA spending money on uh, searching for it. So this is an article from Mysterious Universe uh, written by Nick Redfern, great guy, um, entitled From Noah's Ark to the CIA, Conspiracy or Bureaucracy. So, Angelo, you have a particular uh, hatred for people who believe that it is a exist. Well, I don't hate anybody. I just
1: think it's silly. And is it the first time we bring up Noah's Ark on this podcast?
0: I think so. I mean, we talked it's, about... It took like 109 episodes? No, we talked about Man-Era out a bit, right? Okay. Um, so the idea that that's where Noah's Ark rests. Because when we talked about the Ark of the Covenant at one point. Yeah. I, so like
1: the Ark of the Covenant, I feel, is a little more plausible. And Noah's Ark, though, is basically a parable from the Bible. And that's all it is. Right. It's similar to thinking that Cinderella's carriage actually exists, right? It's, it's something from a story. The last thing I heard about Noah's Ark was like a number of years ago when an actress from Baywatch like, got hurt trying to climb Mount Ararat to find <laughs> Wait, it. Wait, what? Yes. Uh, uh, could,
0: so, could you unpack this a bit? Well, before we go any further, I, I, I know nothing about this. Could you please elucidate me? Okay, this?
1: so there's an actress named Donna Derrico. She was on Baywatch and she got hurt on a mountain in Turkey while looking for Noah's Ark. So Mount Aharet. And um yeah, she, she, she was sort of worried that uh she might get kidnapped and all kinds of things. So she kind of stopped looking for it. But uh, yeah, that's the last thing I heard. And she, back then when this happened, she was insisting that her, her search for it was based in science and also faith, but no, there's no science with uh, Noah's Ark. The earth did not flood. Uh, and uh there wasn't a dude to put
0: every animal on a boat that sounds very exhausting and impossible perhaps so kind of tangentially kind of tangentially Uh, The ads they're serving me on this page are very weird. The first one is entitled Resurrection of Jesus. Scholars examine the evidence. Discover the facts at whyjesus.com. Not going to do that. Secondly, and I think more pertinent is how to remove musty smell. If your home is older than 1995 and has a musty old home smell, try this. And they're pointing at something that looks like a pyramid. Um, I feel like these are pretty, you know, on brand for what I'm reading here. There are CIA files marked Noah's Ark 1974 to 1982, but it just seems like a lot of hearsay and a lot of um, uh, members of Congress and uh, people in the military wanting to, to kind of look around and see what they could do about it. Um, and then also collecting scant evidence of Mount Ararat.
1: Yeah. And I don't think Nick Redfern actually believes there's a Noah's Ark anywhere out there. Uh, he just kind of is reporting it.
0: My favorite line here is so Senator Barry Goldwater wrote uh, DCI Turner on September 1st, 1978, and it starts with, you may think this is a screwball request, and it may be, but I would like to know if you can do anything about it. So it kind of goes on to explain um, if there's any way in which they could start an expedition to go up Mount Ararat to see if that is indeed Noah's Ark. Yeah, because he said, from a uh, man in whom I have great confidence, who is certainly no nut,
1: who knows Turkey rather well, but who feels that there is a reason to believe the Ark may be resting at or near the top of the mount. The fact that adults believe that there's like a boat somewhere out there is odd to me but again i don't believe in anything so maybe uh, i'm wrong here so you're a nihilist i guess is that the right term no i'm a skeptic brian
0: i'm a skeptic you're paranormal nihilist well maybe Uh, i have my own paranormal podcast where i complain about this stuff you do on a very frequent basis my friend well uh yeah but i'm right I think you may need to take a trip on Cinderella's carriage in order to sort of explore uh, what's going on in the world. Anyways, it's an interesting article. I would suggest reading it if only to read um, the sort of like bureaucracy that happens behind a lot of like the weirder stuff, right? So um, for sure I think this is much more amplified with regards to, you know, alien life UFO culture. The uh, files the CIA must have must be gigantic in terms of uh, correspondences in between uh, you know, members of government and then uh, the different military branches. And what what what's your take on why the CIA would be so interested in this like what's the use I don't know maybe you know there's that whole idea of like oh we can turn anything into a biological weapon right so the idea that like we can weaponize Noah's Ark somehow you know all of the slivers of wood used to make the Ark are actually imbued with a special power Well, okay I guess I mean it's like a, listen I, I don't particularly believe in this but if, if you want to know like an answer to it that would be it for me
1: the, the thing I find odd is like it's okay it's on top of a mountain it's 2019 we send sent things to space all the time just fly something up there i would agree with you get some drills up yeah like don't don't send poor donna derico up there and like she's gonna get and she's gonna get <laughs> like, are you to trying the to sickness. say the
0: cia is doing this yeah the cia is like donna listen you're our last refuge our last hope you're going up there i don't care she's like a sleeper agent for the cia that's what she was doing all this time on <laughs> Baywatch. i would love the idea no no no, no. so i it's post baywatch right so you line up you're being your c-list actress and you're like hey you're not working would you like to earn a living wage uh, it's sort of like uh what's his name the guy who had like game shows
1: but also was a CIA agent
0: so are you are you talking about some what Chris Barris or whatever the guy uh, so the movie with Sam Rockwell yeah Chuck Barris Chuck Barris Chuck Barris that's it. okay yeah. or Chuck Ferriss Tim, Tim Ferriss the author right but Chuck Barris uh uh Sam Rockwell starred in that movie right yeah what was it called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind yes
1: yes okay
0: that was a good great movie, movie, if I remember. It correctly. was a great movie, actually, yeah. um, and I do believe it has the same producer as uh, Fight Club and Baywatch. <laughs> We're beginning to see a bit of a uh, thread here. I do like the idea that, like, hey, um, office assistant from Becker, you haven't done anything in a couple of years. Go climb a mountain, or like, go to Area Fifty One for us. Mm-hmm. So, I found a Reddit thread from a couple of days ago that made me really laugh. And as soon as I saw this, and I was like, this is prime, kind of like Angelo fodder. So, it's from the UFO subreddit, and it's entitled, How Would You Avoid Seeming Like a UFO Nut and Losing Credibility When Trying to Report a UFO Setting? Angelo, uh, a lot of good tips, a lot of horrible tips in here. Yeah. You know, it's like, why would you even want
1: to report it? It's not like whoever you report it to can do anything about it, which I guess is true. But, uh, yeah. Look, people. Feel the need when they see something odd to share it, right? This we witnessed this a few weeks ago when we played those 911 calls when that UFO was flying over Lake Michigan, right? And people want to report it. And you heard in those calls how reluctant they were to report it. Like a lot of them start with, you know, I'm not crazy or anything, or any, or you know, this must, might sound weird, but and then they report something, right? Um, you know, you have to go in with an open mind with what you're seeing as well right you have to before you report anything kind of take a second and figure out what you're looking at
0: yeah some of the best evidence uh, some of the best suggestions here include uh don't make up stuff don't exaggerate try every possible theory to prove it's not aliens if the only thing left is aliens then so be it is this you did you post this (laughs) no uh that's not my username do you want to yell out your username here it's the same as my twitter account do you feel like maybe the first thing you should be doing is um not saying hey I know this sounds crazy right like destigmatizing it?
1: Yes, for sure. Um
0: you know, legitimize
1: what you're seeing because yes, you've seen something, right? Uh, I always come back to this. People who report UFOs are rarely lying about seeing something odd in the sky. They've seen something weird. They can't explain it. But a lot of people then jump to the conclusion, oh, it's a flying saucer. Okay, a UFO, we've said it a lot of times, UFO, unidentified flying object. It could be a 747 that you can't figure out that it's a 747.
0: Right. I, I do think, and I agree with you, that people who have seen something believe they've seen something, right? So, like, to say, hey, I've seen a UFO, isn't that kind of crazy? I mean, if you're too elaborate and say, I was taken on a ship, I was taken ah. on Venus, I had a great time, I Start came back. pulling a Billy Meyer. Yes, exactly. Uh, That's a different case entirely. But to just say you've seen something you're not sure of, and you want to let people know, especially people in places of authority, I think that we need to destigmatize a lot of this, right? As someone who wants to rationally approach the subject. Exactly. Well, like,
1: look, when I was in Cuba, I saw that weird thing in the sky, right? And uh, I took some time to figure out what it was. And we kind of narrowed it down to uh, whatever we said it was. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like that light shimmering in the sky. and. You have to kind of take your time with these things and not jump to a conclusion. My advice was the same as the other one, right? Like, don't exaggerate. Uh, don't mistake parked cars for giant spaceships. Um, you know, take your time. Look at it directly and not through the lens of a camera or your phone. That doesn't help. And I was like, take a second, take a step back and look at what you're seeing and try to figure it out. Have you ever like the sky itself plays tricks on you? Have you ever seen like an airplane in the sky, and you're in a car, and the airplane seems to not be moving and just floating in the sky? Absolutely, right? Because you're looking at it at a very specific angle. We we saw that once uh, in town, and I was with my kids and and my wife, and we're looking at the sky, and we're seeing this airplane that's just hanging there, and we're all wondering like, why? How is that even working? And I told them that it was like just an optical illusion because it just looks weird. Or it could be that the simulation crashed.
0: Right. And needed a hard reboot. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I like the idea that perhaps in your mind, you entertain the idea of the matrix on a continual basis. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It's, it's, it's more (laughs) likely
1: than Noah's Ark.
0: Wow. Okay. That's very interesting. I mean, we we do need to kind of devote an entire episode to the holographic universe. I'd love to do that sometime. Um, but, you know, barring that, kind of going to uh, back to what we see and what we can understand, a lot of the good um, kind of advice here is, you know, act rationally. Um, really just try to take it as much as you can and note as much as you can. Uh, d- don't jump to conclusions, I think, is a big one, too. Don't hyperbolize. No, exactly. Like, don't think... <laughs> People
1: misjudge speed, they misjudge size, because the sky, like we said, there's nothing to judge anything by up there unless there's like another airplane near. And even at that, you can't realize how far or how close that airplane is to the ground. So it's really hard to kind of judge what things are. That's what frustrates me when people say, oh, trained observer knew exactly how big things were. Well, maybe, but most people can't tell. Human beings are liars, we've talked about this. Not, and not necessarily liars, they, look, okay, uh, let me bring this back to last week's topic, where we talked about magicians. <sighs> Look, yeah, just just with a deck of cards, moving things in a certain way completely. You're like three steps away from, from buying a fedora. I'm three steps away from what?
0: From buying like a fedora or a trilby.
1: No, 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 no. Anyway, all that to say, like you can watch somebody do something with. Are you wearing hands. a button shirt? No, I'm wearing a PJ.
0: okay. Because I I imagine you having a button shirt on and then you undoing the top button when you talk about illusions. No.
1: And it's not, look, it's it's card magic that I'm really the most interested in in sleight of hand. And it's amazing
0: what people can do with just an object and their hands because of the way the brain works. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, The brain sees what it wants to see too, right? And that's the other thing. So like uh, human beings are fallible. The brain sees what it wants to see. Um, That being said, as we said before, we believe people when they say they've seen something it's just a classification of what and that becomes very hard to do on a granular level right because you can't say well th- this ship was made of this material so therefore it's this it was flying at this velocity you kind of have to take in sort of like a guidepost a lot of the time especially in the dark and uh, you see this a lot we talked about this especially when we are watching all of those horrible um vhs videos for um the r strange skies uh patreon episode um it's kind of hard to get goalposts and and relative um, markers in terms of like distance and speed yeah when you were talking there um
1: before you brought it up i was gonna blink uh, out no i was gonna bring it out as well i was gonna bring it up as well the one that stuck out in my mind when we watched those videos was that israeli one that basically looked like somebody zoomed in on somebody's (laughs) house and that's all it was yeah It's so easy. And then especially when you start zooming in with cameras and stuff, it really warps everything. So if you spot a UFO, try to look at it with your naked eye, Uh, not when your eyes are dilated though, and try to figure it out from there first. See if if you you're on drugs, make sure
0: they're good drugs.
1: Yeah, like the guy who was at the festival, and a festival of <laughs> lights the light, saw the light. lights in the sky. Uh, exactly. In case anybody's wondering what we're talking about, we're talking about the uh, UFO's best evidence caught on tape, these shows from the early 90s. i uh, no, sorry, these shows from the late 90s, and maybe even into the early 2000s, hosted by Jonathan Frakes. And it was mostly pretty bad evidence caught on tape. Um, And the one we were alluding to there was a guy at a music slash lights festival, and he saw lights in the sky.
0: Um, Yeah, so I think he saw lights from the festival and not a UFO. They looked weird. Here's a question for you then in that case, right? Someone comes to you and they say, I've seen a UFO. Like, how do you handle that? Like, what would you go through criteria-wise to ascertain what was going on with their experience? Okay, so where were you, first of all? Okay. What time of
1: day was it? Right. Were you near an airport? Were you near a military base? Were you in the city? Were there street lights around you if it was the if it was at night? Was it cloudy if it was day? And uh, did it look like anything you've ever seen before? How fast was it going? All things like this, questions that kind of narrow it down to what it could be. Um and then also like if you know where somebody was and what time of day it was, you can kind of see what was happening around there. Uh, I've heard a story from a family member where he was driving down the street and saw the strangest thing he'd ever seen in the sky. He pulled over and he looked at it for probably several minutes before he realized it was a hot air balloon. But you don't see hot air balloons often at all. This was off close to the horizon, so it looked really odd. And it took him a bit of time, but he figured out what it was. So if somebody wouldn't have taken the time and just kept driving or whatever, they would have said, oh, I saw a UFO, but not a
0: hot air balloon. Right. So I think that's a really good indicator of of jumping to conclusions, though. Exactly. Don't jump to conclusions. That's the
1: thing. Take your time and look at what it is. Now, if you're driving and you can't get out of their car, well, then you're driving and you can't get out of your car. Look at the road. Don't look at a UFO. But most of the time, if you're stopped, uh, take your time and look at it. Um, good idea is uh, have a live podcast in your backyard with your co-host and stare at the sky and then see nothing. Didn't see anything, my friend. We're talking about our 16th episode. Was that our 16th episode? Yeah.
0: It was very early on, yeah. That's the last time you and I shared a space to record, almost 100 episodes ago.
1: What would you do when you saw UFO, or if you saw UFO?
0: What would I do? I would try to, I, I, I mean, like I hate to harp on this, but we have a, a whole uh, blog entry about this on double density.net all about how like I would try to shoot it. Right. But it, I would try to get a stable service on which to place my camera or my phone on. I would try to get some kind of uh, markers in there, be it trees, be it some kind of, uh, you know, building or something to sort of like gauge what's going on with this object. I would try to be able to sort of um, note time place Wind speed, uh, behavior of the ship, uh, the colors of the lights. Did it do any weird movements? Things like that. Um, And going back to the original question, because you
1: bring up really good points there and something that should go without saying, but you know, how would you avoid seeming like a UFO nut and losing credibility, right? That's the initial question. Don't be super enthusiastic about it either, right? Like, kind of be
0: not aloof, but you know, just neutral about it don't right like like, don't say like hey by the way like this thing appeared in the sky and i watched it and a little green man came out of his little space window and waved at me and then took off
1: yeah or you know i was freaking out i couldn't understand what it was at that point you're like in a heightened you're in a heightened state so you're not even sure what you're going
0: to be seeing (laughs) yeah i don't even know just take a lot of stimulants i guess no or don't no do but like you know have them cancel each other out yeah drink lots of coffee yeah exactly uh one of the things in here is like uh, uh tell mufon i don't know if i'd tell mufon no mufon's useless correct uh so i'm glad that we kind of have a consensus here about what to do right don't uh d- start it- to anyone out there who plans or you know doesn't plan on seeing uh, an object in the sky don't be afraid of having seen it just don't jump to conclusions i think is what we're coming to exactly I think this is a good place to wrap up episode 109 of the Double Density Podcast. What do you think, Angela? I
1: think so. I'm going to go outside, look at the sky, see if there's anything interesting.
0: Play some, uh, you know, sleight of hand tricks on your wife, uh, and she makes you sleep on the couch. Yep. My couch is pretty comfortable, though. <laughs> silver lining throughout all this Uh, next episode though, we we in theory have a really interesting guest, which we won't name here in case it doesn't end up working out. Uh, But suffice it to say, it's going to be interesting. Uh, So tune in next week for something a little bit different, something a little special. Uh, But in the meantime, we also want to say tune in next week as I also regain my level of vision and truly deliver a Twitter force before i forget you can go ahead and find us at different places on the internet that includes twitter at double underscore density instagram over at double density podcast and also head over to double density.net you can click on the contact button you can also fill out the form you can also email us at double density podcast at gmail.com if you like what you hear angelo and i'm going to do the pitch right now you can go ahead and subscribe to us we drop new episodes every wednesday
1: Yes. And you can also rate us in the uh, iTunes store or the Apple podcast store or whatever you call it, because maybe that does something,
0: but we're still not sure if it does. Pursuant to, to last week's homework, please, guys, use all your devices. Look up Double Density Podcast. Let us bring Double Density to the top of the Google rankings. That's where we want to be. Yeah, we definitely want to be there. By the way, I did that on my phone with, uh, you know, on and off my Wi-Fi. I tried so much. You did. Good job. Thank you. And I hope everyone out there is doing that too. So Angela, I will see you next week, my friend. See you next week. It's like it's no more realistic than
1: saying Cinderella's chariot. Was that her? she have a chariot? No,
0: <laughs> carriage. Yeah. Carriage. Chariot of the gods, though. Yeah,
1: it's similar to saying like Cinderella's chariot existed. It's like chariot. Hold on. Hold on. It's sort of. Oh, I don't know. It's similar to saying like Cinderella's. <laughs> Forget it. Oh, hold on. Oh my god. You're just listening patiently.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Hold on. I can't Are you think. drunk?
1: Yeah. It's similar to thinking like Cinderella <laughs> Hold on. let me spit this out.
0: <laughs>
1: oh boy. It's similar to thinking like Cinderella
0: <laughs> Oh boy. Oh boy. This is gonna be a long episode, my friend. All right. Cinderella. All right, Cinderella's carriage. Okay, Cinderella's carriage.